Hey everyone, it's Lou Rosenfeld, and welcome to another version of the Rosenfeld Review podcast series. I'm here with uh, Leah Buley. Hello, Leah. Hi, Lou. How you doing? Good to hear your voice. Uh, many of you uh, know Leah because she wrote a book that I can tell you firsthand has been very influential in the UX field and has certainly sold quite a few copies. It's the user experience team of one. Uh, and it's a great book, obviously, and I, I'm only partially biased. Um, sometimes I, I have some tinge of regret with it, though, because, I, you know, if we, it's such a great introductory book uh, that gives people to, uh, access to, to so many tools and techniques to use in the field that maybe we should have called it the introduction to UX. I, I don't know. We'll Boring. To... No way. UX Team of One captures the spirit of it. But oh, definitely. I, I take a your much point. more interesting title. <laughs> I take your point. It's, uh, it's applicable even if you actually happen to work with other UX professionals. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people have really used it not just for themselves, but to help their teams move along and so forth. Uh, when you were working on that, you were a consultant at Adaptive Path, and uh, I remember then you moved on to a senior UX role at Intuit, and then uh, you took a, a pretty influential role as an analyst, uh, really specializing in UX for the folks at Forrester. And uh, now you are on your own, right? Yeah, it's been a it's been a winding journey, but uh, my my latest venture is going out on my own. I I'm um, working as an independent uh, design advisor and consultant with companies. So, um, you know, one of the, the stops along uh, the way for Leah is October 11th, uh, where she is one of the people presenting at our virtual conference, uh, User Research for Everyone. And uh, Leah was very high, not only on my list and Laura Klein's list, Laura is my co-curator for the event, but uh, we did a lot of user research figure out what people wanted to learn about and from whom. And a lot of people mentioned you, Leah. And a lot of it is because of what you did with the book and how that book has been really helpful for getting not just people in the field to do better with things like user research, but people outside the field. And that's really what this event's about. It's not for people who are really super experienced user researchers. Maybe, you know, if you want to brush up or get the perspective of some other really good people like Leah, uh, it's really more for the people who need to know something, and maybe designers, developers, product managers, marketing people, uh, anyone who uh, needs to have at least that um, minimal level of proficiency with user research so that they can participate, contribute something to the conversation, be part of a team, understand results, uh, and get the bigger picture of user research. And Leah is um, uh, going to be talking about the right re research method for any problem and budget. That's the title of her talk. And it's a, it's a topic that really means a lot to me uh, personally because I see so many methods out there uh, and we're already seeing a lot of people maybe not paying as much attention to user research as they should. And I think when they're confronted with so many methods, they often just sort of throw their hands up in the air and punt. Uh, do you see that? Yeah, well, I'd say uh, the punting takes a kind of specific shape, which is uh, going back to usability kind of again and again, usability testing as sort of the first and often the last method, because it just feels like, well, that's semi-scientific. It's uh, You can do it in a kind of controlled way. We know it's going to tell us if there's really obvious egregious issues with our product or our service. 
And, uh, and so it seems like I encounter a lot of teams who sort of start there and then unfortunately stop there. And um, that's not to say that usability testing isn't really valuable and actually really um, useful, actually, kind of from a team of one perspective as a, a kind of foot in the door around research, but it's just one of so many different methodologies that are available. And perhaps more importantly, it's it serves a really specific type of purpose at a specific point in the process. And there are a lot of other kinds of questions um, throughout the user experience design process for which different research methods um, can, can more effectively answer uh, the questions that happen to arise, you know, at those points in the process. So I'm excited to participate in, in this, um, in this event, because I think it's an opportunity to really look at, you know, what are all the things that you need to know from the very beginning of user experience design process, uh, although getting into kind of having a direction and, and wanting to know if it's viable and compelling and then getting further into knowing if, you know, what you're, you're doing is actually performing appropriately. And, and for, given where you are in the process and the kind of questions you have, what tools are at your disposal? So that's kind of what I'm hoping to cover with, with folks. So... All right. You, you may be tipping your hand a little bit about how we should go about um, figuring out where to start, but uh, you mentioned questions. Mm. And I guess you're maybe saying those tools are just simply ways to answer different types of questions? Yeah, I, I, that's that. Yeah, exactly. I think there's ultimately you, it, given where you are in the process, there's some stuff that you know and some stuff that you don't know. And at the beginning, what you know is really quite different from what you know near the end. So at the beginning, I think the questions are often just like, what do, what do our customers even need? Uh, what, uh, what needs are unmet right now by our current products or by other products that are in the market? Um, sometimes the question can also be like, what's coming? <laughs> what are people going to be wanting to do more of that we don't know about? And for that, you know, there's a whole set of uh, methods that are really about just like helping you uh, see signals, spot trends, uh, understand uh, unarticulated needs, uh, watch how people behave over time, and, and from that start to form kind of an educated uh, opinion about what your customers uh, may be needing uh, from your products and your services. That's really different from when you get further along and, and start to have a kind of point of view about what you think a a, a good potential solution look looks like, or, or 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 not even a potential solution, but start to have a point of view about the characteristics of what a potential solution should be, which can then drive ideation and generative design. And getting into a point like that, you know, a different set of methods that are, I think, a lot more anchored to actual sort of prototyping and testing out concepts and dry testing and 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 um, kind of methods that help you see people actually using potential. Uh, ideas for products um, that helps you to understand like okay are these different explorations compelling do they actually feel like they meet the needs we think we identified when we put them in people's hands when we put them in people's hands do they actually confirm that those needs were even real or do they teach us more about our initial uh, kind of assumptions uh, around needs to begin with um, and then and then getting sort of further beyond then into the process once you've feel like you have a grasp on on your customers needs and once you feel like you have a grasp on kind of what compelling directions could could look like and are now starting to dial in on a a, a kind of given direction or a minimum viable product or a kind of a proposed solution then a lot of the methods 
for um, validating and testing uh, that the you know the the detailed execution is working become important, uh, and certainly that's where usability starts to play a big role. I would say, but also you know there's beta testing, and uh, I'd say the growth of remote unmoderated testing is really interesting to look at in this area. There's a lot of different types of tools and techniques for for that. That kind well, of we like, are going to have uh, Nate Bolt, uh, uh, who founded Ethneo, on the program yeah. as well. So he's great. Uh, yeah. Um, let me ask you this. Let's just jump back for a moment to the issue of the sort of punting toward usability testing. Um, do we do that simply because it's the method that people may have simply heard the most about? Or is it uh, the product of the fact that, um, uh, I don't know, maybe certain like people in the field may have certain biases introduced uh, when they're in college or, or they, they just know about certain tools and not about others. Maybe they don't know about, for example, ethnography because they didn't study anthropology. Uh, I'm just sort of wondering kind of why we kind of fall back into usability testing more often than maybe we should. Hmm. I do think part of it has to do with just like what's been around the longest is definitely, I'd say, the strongest method coming out of the kind of roots uh, in HCI that a lot of the UX practices even today still lean heavily on. So I think there's there's a just a legacy there, probably. I also think there's something really comfortingly concrete about what you get out of those types of tests, which is like, yeah, it works or it doesn't. Task task success, yes or no. Time to complete this, that, or the other. You know, percentage of people who are able to complete these things. Those are all really nice, um, concrete, often quantifiable uh, conclusions. And and often because usability testing is done in a kind of controlled environment, you, you can even walk away with like the video or the, or the quote or, you know, just these really um, useful bite-sized artifacts to communicate back into the organization um, uh, what you found. And that's super valuable, so, so valuable, uh, both for the teams who are designing products to actually know how to make improvements, but also for... Um, for the uh, kind of whole cross-functional group who has to be involved in product uh, uh, to, to believe in the value of research and to understand kind of why different directions are being chosen. But the shortcoming of sort of only that usability-focused approach is it, it, it tends to be very, um, uh, I'd say, uh, what's the right word? Not low level, but kind of like fine grain feedback. It's like it'll help you. In, the things you find in usability will definitely help you fix this bug or streamline this task flow. And they might even help you sort of understand if there's some fundamental problems in bigger kind of conceptual logic around a design. But they don't necessarily tell you uh, sort of larger questions or, or the answers to larger questions around kind of intent and meaning and purpose and context and how these things sort of fit into people's lives. So but if we're, it sounds like we're maybe often starting with usability testing when, you know, it's really more of an evaluative technique and we haven't really gotten to the point of generating uh, ideas that map to what, what the world is actually about and how our products might fit within that world. Are there methods that you're a big fan of that actually complement usability testing and give you that better picture of intent and meaning? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, what I would say is I do see teams actually using usability testing, both at the sort of the beginning and the end. And in the beginning, it's often like, let's say you're about to do a redesign and usability testing is kind of like the step one to understand what are the shortcomings in the product today. And that's, that's great. That's actually a, a really uh, effective uh, starting point for a project. But what I like to see um, in a case like that is usability work complemented with more uh, open-ended qualitative work, um, either uh, doing maybe participatory design with customers, doing kind of some observational uh, research or contextual inquiry with customers, maybe doing something like a diary study if you have the time for it, um, or even just like... It, it, I really actually think we net, we undervalue um, just desk research, like uh, trend spotting and signal watching and looking at what you know what's coming out in terms of new behavior and interaction paradigms. And um, so like complementing essentially this more uh, kind of lab-based evaluation of the existing product with a slightly more exploratory uh, qualitative uh, stream of work at the beginning of a project. Um, and that's a good a good combo. And, and I when I look at companies who have pretty robust, research practices, that's often the, the kind of the two-pronged tack they take. What, where does analytics fit in all this? I, I, I um, keep expecting you to mention it, and uh, <laughs> maybe it's uh, you haven't by design or... You know, it's a good question. You know, it's def- I'd say it's part of that initial uh, uh, exploratory research too, or, or maybe exploratory isn't quite the right word when it comes to analytics, but it's definitely a part of the process. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I actually think that one of the biggest shortcomings uh, in how a lot of UX teams approach research is they they uh, ignore the available insights that are already inside the organization through analytics and market research programs and NPS data or voice of the customer data that's being captured. So I think all that stuff too becomes um, an input uh, into understanding uh, kind of needs at the start of the process. So I'm thinking that, you know, if I'm just starting out, you just made a lot of sense, but I'm still uh, maybe reeling a bit by the, the, the broad spread of what I can do. Now, uh, you know, obviously uh, your book is going to help there and, and map it out and, and help us make some sense. Um, but one of the, the things that I've certainly seen people do, uh, it's I, I happened to me plenty of times, is once you start embarking on a, a reasonable plan for doing user research, um, you're often finding yourself coming up with as many new questions as answers. And so there's the risk of continually spitting out in, into different directions, which may be interesting and, and really valuable ultimately. You may learn some amazing new things and, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but ultimately you have a product or service to bring to market. And um, how do you kind of avoid that getting kind of stuck in a cycle of continuing to ask questions and, and learning something new and, and asking more questions? How do you actually kind of narrow it down to the point where you're, you're coming up with things that you could really consider to be conclusions? Yeah, I mean, I think this is where some of the developments we've seen around uh, a greater push to prototype early or just sprinting uh, as a general methodology are really helpful because the, I mean, the basic um, uh, principle I'd say behind those, those different techniques and methods is just like 
try to build something quickly. Even if you don't necessarily know if you're building the right thing quickly, having something that you can put in customers' hands will uh, help you further uh, will help you learn more, basically. It'll either help you figure out if some of the initial insights that you think you got from really preliminary work are right, uh, or if they're not right, it'll give you more concrete uh, um, like tools, essentially, that, to, to help customers express why they're not right. So um, in, I, I think the, it is really dangerous to spend too long in research. And I, and I can say this honestly as somebody who's you know, at, or in, in, the, in the course of my consulting career, spent a long time in research, you know, done big projects where we go out in the field for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we interview tons of people, and we come back, and we develop these complex models. And the richness of insight is, is fascinating and gratifying, and I, I think valuable for organizations. But then it's like, after all that, it's hard to even get started with design. It just feels like you have to reignite your own momentum. So I, I do think that the UX field in general is maturing a little bit in its uh, approach to uh, move fast to make things uh, based on what you learn. So now, instead of you know six weeks and <laughs> six weeks to do uh, field field research and analysis and model and persona development, you know, I'd, I'd say the a better cadence and and actually a more realistic cadence for organizations on different budgets is a week doing field research or a couple days doing field research and then some dedicated time to do some rapid prototyping and then some more uh, kind of uh, uh, sessions with customers where you're putting prototypes in their hands and sort of seeing how they use them and learning and refining from there. And that kind of iterative process, you call it sprinting, you call it right, There's a, we call it a lot of different things, but this idea of like make, learn, make, learn, make, learn, I think is the new the new best practice that gets around that problem you're mentioning. Right, and, and uh, you know, as long as the stuff you're making and, and learning about is something that you can model quickly or actually make quickly, and it, it, you're making me think of quite a bit of um, Greg Petroff of GE, I actually interviewed him and we've had him speak at Enterprise UX, his talk is on the materiality of software, and that's a fascinating concept. Where you know software is getting to the point uh, where it is not just a commodity, but it is a design material. Uh, these methods become a little more difficult to iterate on and move quickly with when we're talking about physical spaces or, or increasingly the hybrids of digital and, and physical. It's going to be really interesting to see how we we kind of speed up the cadence of that make-learn cycle as we work with ever more complex uh, materials, basically, of, of, of physical and digital. But we'll have to leave that for another podcast. And let's let's walk before we, we run. Um, and I think you've given us a lot of good places to start with. Uh, and uh, you'll do even more on October 11th at the User Research Everyone Conference. I'm really looking forward to having you there. And Leah, it's been great to have you on our show. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to, to being there. And uh, yeah, more to come. Awesome. Thanks. Mm-hmm.